fun. It's a fun thing to spend some time together as a family and, and, and talk about family issues. I, I hope you do join us next week. I hope you join us after the service. Uh, I mean, it, it is an amazing thing to see how God can provide uh, when, when we come together and, 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 and move toward that. And uh, seeing the transformation that's happened at 44 really is something to celebrate. So hopefully you join us after the church service today, walk all, uh, on over. Some of the elders will be there to help kind of uh, navigate things for people if they need help or find their way around. Uh, hope you'll join us then. Hope you join us next week as well. It, it, is, it is our business meeting. It is something that by constitutional purposes we have to gather once a year to, to go over things. But it's also an opportunity, I think, to hear what God's doing among us as a church family, to celebrate what he's done and to look ahead to what he's doing. So hopefully you'll, you'll join us for that. Uh, it's an important time to kind of look ahead to this upcoming year and say, okay, God, where are you, where are you calling us to go together? Because it's not about uh, you know, a, a few of us going and then inviting the rest of us to go along. God's inviting us all to move as one body in one direction. And so this annual meeting uh, will, will help us to, to get on the same page together as we do that. Well, why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We're in the middle of a series where we're going through the Ten Commandments. We're taking one commandment each Sunday, and today we're going to be in the fourth commandment. Now, uh, before I get into reading the passage for us, uh, I, I've got a, a, just a few things. First of all, a reminder. As, as way of a reminder, the Ten Commandments are not a prerequisite to getting into God's graces right? The, the, the Ten Commandments, as God gave them to the people of Israel in the wilderness after he rescued them from slavery in Egypt, was not a, a prerequisite for him allowing them to enter into the promised land, right? These were a, 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 not a battle plan. They were a life plan for how they were to live when they were in the land that God had promised them. In other words, they were instruction and an invitation to live a certain way in the land that God had provided for his people. And so they still are for us today, not a prerequisite, like we've got to see how many of these Ten Commandments we can fill out or, or, uh, or live out, and then we'll feel like God smiles upon us, but an invitation to live into the fullness of the life that God offers us as his children. And so they're more a life plan for us to, to, to pay attention to. And, and, and so as we look at the Ten Commandments, I hope that we see in each of them an invitation to live life with God more fully and more deeply. And, and the fourth commandment is really no different than that. Let me, let me read for us Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. That's the, the fourth commandment for us. The scriptures read, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do no, uh, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Heavenly Father, this is your word, and Lord, we desire to hear you speak into our lives. Lord, whatever, uh, what, whatever pieces of me that, that I've uh, injected into this time where I have the mic, Lord, I pray would just slip away, and that what would be left would be your word, your promises, your, your declaration of who you are and who you desire us to be. May your word bear fruit in our lives this morning as we as we attend to you, as we worship you in your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Now, uh, as we start here in the fourth commandment, I want to offer a warning and a confession. The warning goes like this. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a predictor of the future. I can't tell you what what things will look like as you leave church today. But, But as a pastor, in addition to being a student of God's word, I'm also a student of the human heart. Not the physiological piece of the human heart, but the emotion, the will. And I desire to know that. And what I've learned, I've learned enough of the human heart to be able to warn you that your response to God's commandment to, to, to remember and keep the Sabbath will be to come up with a laundry list of reasons why you can't do it. It'll be that, or it'll be a, a, a huge amount of guilt and shame because you're not doing it, right? And so I wanna warn you to press back against those things. You're gonna come up with, with, with reasons like, I've gotta to work to put food on the table. I, 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 can't, I don't have the luxury of, of, of setting apart one day a week to, to give to the Lord. You're gonna say, if I don't work, then we don't eat. Or, 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 or for those of us who are in, uh, have little children and we feel the busyness of life, well, you know, when else am I gonna get the laundry done? Or, or you know, in the midst of the spring and summer, when, else, when else am I gonna mow the lawn or, or go grocery shopping or, or or, you know, the list goes on and on. I, we could probably spend the fullness of the sermon period time today coming up with a list of reasons why we can't obey the fourth commandment. But the reality is that 99% of the time, our excuses for not fulfilling the fourth commandment the, uh, of, of remembering and keeping the Sabbath as a holy day unto the Lord are not sufficient reasons. They're not sufficient reasons to not practice time with God one out of every seven days. So, so be warned. Here's your warning. If you truly long to know a, a God and to live the deeper life that God offers you, it's going to come at a price. It's going to come with some very intentional decisions that you're going to need to make. You're going to need to push through a, a number of excuses that in your mind seem logical and reasonable, but you need to push through them to see the life that God is really inviting you into so that you might live in the land that the Lord your God has promised you fully and enjoy all that he desires to bless you with. And so now this leads me to a confession. I'm nowhere near an expert in this particular area of my spiritual life. I mean, I I grew up around the church. I've heard the Ten Commandments for most of my life. I'm with, yeah, I'm right. I'm tracking with you, Lord. No murdering, no stealing. Yeah, those all make sense. But somehow the Sabbath just kind of slipped and flew under my radar screen. I never really paid attention to that commandment, right? I don't know why. I, 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 I'm not really sure why. But, but here's my confession. I'm not an expert in the area of practicing the Sabbath. It wasn't until about 14 years ago where a brother in Christ, a mentor of mine, confronted me and said, Dan, you realize that God has much to offer you in remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. He kind of brought to my mind the fact that maybe I've been neglecting something of my relationship with God. But then even after being lovingly confronted with with what God's word said, I still resisted the, the, the need to, to build a practice around remembering and keeping a, a Sabbath lifestyle, right? I had a, a laundry list of reasons myself. 
I was in seminary. I'm taking classes full-time. I'm working three jobs. I've got a newborn at home. I'm married four years. I mean, I've got to care for and tend to that relationship. All these reasons were reasons in my mind why I could not afford to set apart one day out of seven to give to the Lord. But what I've come to learn is that these weren't reasons why I couldn't give one day out of seven to the Lord. These were all reasons why I had to give one day out of every seven to the Lord. And so 14 years later, these excuses haven't done me any good. They haven't served the, 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 the richness and, and the, the, the life of God in me and the life that God is shaping and forming in me. They've only kept me from a greater intimacy with God and the deeper life that he invites me into, that he invites all of us into. It wasn't until about a year and a half ago, and I think I've shared this here, that, that the Lord graciously invited me again to consider uh, obeying <clears throat> the fourth commandment. And, and I've been trying to live out this Sabbath lifestyle ever since. And again, here's my confession. I still struggle to dedicate and, and protect a day, a Sabbath, for the Lord. <clears throat> it's a lot harder to cease from our labors, isn't it? It's, <clears throat> it's a lot harder to say no to those things that God is saying, put down. Because the pressure we feel in this world is, no, you gotta keep going. Don't give up. It's not, what's, what's gonna happen if you put that down? It's not gonna get done. It's gonna fail. It's gonna fall on its face. It's gonna be destroyed. And so, here all of my challenges and my encouragement for us today as coming from a novice, coming from a beginner, coming from a student, all right? I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert. But that being said, though I am just a novice, though I'm just a beginner, I'm a beginner who is increasingly convinced that when God's people learn to practice the Sabbath life, they are leaning into a practice that is unlocking the richness and the depth of intimacy with God because we are saying no to the world and we're saying yes to God. So church, my prayer for us all this morning is that God would impress on each of our hearts that we can't afford not to dedicate one day in our week to the Lord. So let's look at what this fourth commandment is actually saying here in Exodus 20 verses eight to 11. What is the fourth commandment? Well, first and foremost, the fourth commandment is an invitation to trust the Lord. You may not see that on the surface of things, but that fourth commandment is really an invitation for you to trust God rather than yourself, to trust God rather than the messages you're hearing from the world of what it looks like to be successful and, and, and valuable and, and, and accomplishing something. The fourth commandment is an invitation to trust the Lord. It's, it's a weekly exercise in putting down our tools and acknowledging that our work will still be there when we pick it up again on the other side of our Sabbath. It, it, it's a weekly ep, uh, exercise in, in trusting that God is going to provide for us through it all. The things you have in your life, you've been, you've been living, I've been living a lie, we've been living a lie. To believe that the things we have in our lives are there because of what work we've done, the things we've accomplished for the Lord, the ways that we've been obedient, look how righteous and good I am. That's a lie. It's not true. The reality is something we come to see and embrace and experience 
in our practice of the Sabbath, when we lay down our work, when we lay down our, our efforts, when we put down the things that we think matter so much to living in this world, and we realize God is there all along, providing for our every need, moving our, protecting and guiding and directing our lives in the direction that he would have us go. And so the fourth commandment truly is just an invitation to trust in the Lord. In the Gospel of Mark, we're told of a time when, when, when Jesus and his disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee, and they get caught up in a windstorm. And this windstorm is nasty. I mean, it, it's got waves crashing against a boat, breaking against a boat, crashing over the edges. The boat's starting to fill with water. And, and, and Mark describes this moment. It seems like a moment of despair for the disciples. And they start looking around for Jesus. And, and where do they find him? Oh, he's sleeping. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Jesus is at rest in the midst of this torrential storm where, where even his disciples are, are scared for their life. And look at what Jesus, actually, so, so, so they find him sleeping, they wake him up, and Jesus looks around and says, peace, be still, and the waves calm, the seas settle. And then look at what Jesus tells him in verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I mean, church, this is, this is kind of the challenge that we're up against when we think about remembering the Sabbath day, remembering that, that seventh day in the week and keeping it holy is because we want to believe that we can work the problem, that we can figure out how to keep the water out of the boat, that we can figure out how to navigate it to the shore and get it away out of the storm, cross the sea, but we just got to exert a little bit more thinking. We got to exert a little bit more manpower. We got to force this boat to the shore. But the invitation to us in Sabbath is to realize that, that we're only going to hear peace be still when we turn to the Lord in faith. See, the disciples, they were more impacted by the pressure of the storm on their life than their faith in Jesus at work in their soul to save them and to be sovereign. I, I want us to take a moment to think of your life as a disciple in that boat. There you are with Jesus. Every day, the, the wind and the waves are breaking over you in this world, right? Bills are due. Project completion dates are quickly coming. They're, they're there, right? Demands to, to get this for this person or that for that person are constant. People's expectations of you are growing and growing and growing. There, there's no shortage of those expectations on your life. And yet, there isn't enough time in the day or even your week to accomplish all that you think you have to accomplish. And this is exactly Jesus' point and his invitation here. See, he doesn't rebuke his disciples' lack of wit or their wisdom to figure out how to solve their problem. He rebukes their lack of coming to him with faith that, that he's enough and, and resting in his solution. They're scurrying about trying to figure out how to survive the storm when Jesus just wants them to rest and to hear him declare, peace, be still. See, keeping the Sabbath holy is more than a law to be blindly obeyed, to, to say, oh yeah, I got, I got that commandment down, I'm good with that. Keeping the Sabbath holy is a spiritual discipline. 
It's a spiritual discipline of trust where we, where we take every day, or take, sorry, where we take a day, a single day every week to get off our treadmills, to, to get off our, 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 our treadmills of worry and deadlines and accomplishment and, and to actually silence our hearts to hear Jesus say, peace, be still. It's an act of trust that our problems will still be there when we wake up after our Sabbath because God tended to them even when we put them down, right? See, the fourth commandment at its very core is about trust. I'm, I'm not gonna put this up on the screen, but uh, if I could have you just flip over in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 26. God gives his people a promise. I'll just read verse three for us. We, we had an opportunity to, to, to pray kind of spontaneously, just what do we see? What do we notice about God? What do we see and uh, know about his character? Just a, a few moments ago in our time of worship. Here's one of those things where we can know what kind of God we worship. Verse three, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God is a God who keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because he trusts in you. Church, Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath day holy, remembering it, celebrating it, dedicating it to the Lord, is a practice in staying our minds on the Lord, in taking our eyes and our ears and our hearts off the things of this world and dedicating them to the Lord for a day, to, keep, to, to, to build up the discipline of, of being attentive to God, noticing him, clinging to him, Week after week after week. And in that place, God has a promise for us that he will keep us in perfect peace because we trust him. We trust him because we're dedicating our time to him rather than the, the cries and the concerns of the world around us. So the, first, the, the fourth commandment at its very core is about trust. Do I trust God or or will I be driven by fear of not completing what I think needs to be done or what I think other people want from me? Can I say that, that I care more about attending to God than I do about meeting the expectations of others on my life? But the fourth commandment is not just about trust. It's also how we view time, right? Time is one of those valuable resources in our day and age. Time, time is, I, I would venture to say that time is actually more precious to us than money. You know, at least here in, in, in Connecticut, in Fairfield County, but I think it's probably beyond that as well. The fourth commandment challenges us to think about how we view time. Six days we're to work and toil, but the seventh day, the seventh day we are to dedicate to the Lord and keep it holy. Now, quick side note for a moment here. I don't think we need to read this text so legalistically that we would say Sunday is that seventh day or Saturday is that seventh day. I think the principle here is one out of every seven days. So let's pay attention to that because that's one of those places where you can maybe uh, you know, experience some, some uh, lifting of that guilt and shame because you, you have to work. There are some people that have to work on Sundays. And, and so they're left reading this text thinking, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to obey this commandment. That's not true. 
All right, one out of seven days. That's the principle here that we're looking at. Six days we're to work and toil, but the seventh day we dedicate to the Lord and keep it holy. Now, the Hebrew word for holy here is kadosh. And in its verbal form, it means to, to set something apart or actually to, and this is, the, this is the definition that I've kind of clung to and really appreciate in the context of Sabbath, to remove it from common use. All right, so you think of the seven days in your week. One of those days needs to be removed from common use. How you view that seventh day needs to be viewed very differently than you view those other six days in your week. Six of the days in your week, you're going to toil. You're going to work. You're going to exert energy and, 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 and thinking and, and, and whatnot. Six days, you're going to produce you're going to achieve. You're going to accomplish. Six days, the world will know you by what you accomplish and what you produce. But not the seventh day. The seventh day is going to be a different day. The seventh day is not a day to, to, to make ourselves known, to let the world know who we are and what we're good at and what we're passionate about. The seventh day is a day to embrace being already fully known and fully loved by God. It's a day that we enter into as a gift from God to know I don't need to, I don't need to tell God who I am or what I love or, or what's on my heart. It's an invitation, a, a, a time, a, a sacred time to enter into where God speaks his heart into ours and makes us understand that we are already fully known and fully loved. It's a day, a sacred day to hear God declare over your life, peace. Be still. And so to remove the seventh day from common use doesn't mean we should just look at it or, or view it differently. It means we treat it differently, right? In other words, we live wholly different on the Sabbath than on any other day in our week. We cease from producing and achieving and, and instead we, we move more slowly. We give ample space for rest, for enjoyment. We, 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 we're intentional about worshiping God in that space and understanding who he is and what he's done. In six days, you rely on your own wit and your wisdom and your strength. But the seventh day is a day you intentionally lay all those things down and realize that it's been God all along who's been giving you life. And so on the seventh day, you dedicate your heart and your mind to worshiping him, to enjoying him, to pondering who he is and, and the blessings that he's poured out on your life. You, you, you take that as a time where, where your eyes and your ears are focused more on, on, on what God's doing in your life than worrying about what you're doing for God. See, when, when we dedicate this day entirely, entirely to the Lord, we're saying no to succumbing to the pressures exerted on us by the world. We're saying, no, I'm not going to let that pressure dictate who I am and what I need to be doing. We intentionally say no to those things. And at the same time, we're saying yes to the Spirit of God forming us in our inward being. We're, we're, we're seeing it as, a, as an intentionally sacred time to allow God to do a work in us 
that because of our own need, our own drivenness, our own need to produce and work and toil, God has no space or ability to, to, to speak into our lives. We're not paying attention to him because we're more concerned about what we can produce and achieve for God. And so the seventh day, the Sabbath, is, is a spiritual exercise in saying no to the world and saying yes to God's spirit forming us in our inner places, in our inner being. I, I think the Sabbath day is a day in which you practice trusting that God is enough and, and nothing you do or, or accomplish will profit you more. So to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy is to, is to dedicate this day for different purposes than the rest of your, of your time. All right, so why, why should we obey the fourth commandment? Well, I mean, it'd be easy for me just to say, well, it's because God tells us to, right? And then pray and we're, we're out the door. But, that's, but, but I've got more for us than just that. I've got two reasons, actually, why I think we should be obedient to the fourth commandment, obedient to God through observing the fourth commandment. I mean, the first reason is because we've been creating God's image. We've been created in God's image, and guess what? God himself rested. God himself ceased from his labors. Toward the end of the creation story, after God had created everything, he does something very unique. Take a look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 with me. Moses records this. He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day... God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Do you hear repetition? I mean, it's almost like, didn't I just say that? God rested from the work that he had done. Yeah, okay, and God, guess what? God rested from the work he had done. God rested from the work of creation, blessed it, and made it holy. By the way, this passage here represents the first time that anything had been declared holy in the scriptures. And guess what? It's not the temple. It's not Adam and Eve, man and woman. It's not something he created. It's time. The very first thing that God declares holy in all the scriptures is time. This is where if you, if you were to ask someone who, who's practicing Judaism today, they would see time as being the, like a sacred temple to meet with God in. Think about that. Think about us seeing this, this value, valuable commodity, this rich resource of time that we have, and realizing that it could be set apart to be a sacred temple in which we, we meet with God, we, we worship him, we praise him, we acknowledge him. Coming back to Genesis 2, though, we rest because God rests. We Sabbath because God ceased from his work of creation and rested. By the way, that's what Sabbath means. It means to cease or to rest. It means to, to stop and to rest. And so God stopped from his work of creation and rested, and so we stop from our work and rest with him. See, we, we've been created in God's image, and what that means is that we are a representation of God's image to this world. We reflect the glory of the Lord. We, we, it is extreme arrogance for us to think that, that God may have rested, but we don't need to. 
God may have ceased from his labors to look at what, and to look back on what he created and declare it good, but, but we don't have to. We could keep going. It's more urgent that we keep working or keep going or keep accomplishing the things that are on our list. And by the way, when I talk about work, I'm not talking about just working in an office or working at our career. I'm talking about work around the house. Anything that, 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 that we are more obedient to that inner urge to accomplish and, and, and achieve rather than to pay attention to God. Reason I say that is, in, fast forward to the New Testament, and, and you'll see Jesus coming head to head with the Pharisees because he heals on the Sabbath. Well, that's not work. That's, that's not work. That's, a, that's, that's worshiping God. That's celebrating God and the, the work of redemption he's doing in this world. Jesus, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He teaches us that, that, that caring for and loving others, coming alongside them on the Sabbath it, is another way to enjoy God and rest with him. Anyway, we obey the fourth commandment because God himself rested on the seventh day. The second reason I think we are invited to obey the fourth commandment is that God has, has hardwired a reminder into this fourth commandment about who he is. In other words, when we take that one day and set it apart for the Lord, that's a day where God reminds us of who he is, what he's done, and what he will still do. Take a look in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. God tells us this in, this in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, we keep the Sabbath so that we might remember that our God is a rescuer and a redeemer. We, we cease from our labors and, and, and our rushing around so that we can be still and know God as the one who rescued us from slavery, who, who rescued us from brokenness and sin, and rescued us to his promise of a new kingdom. Right? We live in an age of distraction, people. It is so easy for us to lose sight of what matters most and what's important. It, it is so easy for information to get lost in the, the, the torrent of information that's, that's flowing through our minds. And so the Sabbath is a day where we intentionally set apart to remember God, to remember that he's working a plan to redeem this world, to remember his, his, his graciousness, his patience, his love, his forgiveness, all these things that we are so easy to forget as we live our Monday through Sundays. So we keep the Sabbath so that we might remember that, that it's God who rescues us and redeems us, not our effort, not our work, not our accomplishments. I mean, how many times has God been faithful to us, healed us, rescued us, provided for us, cared for us? only for us to, to forget it as time goes by, to forget who God is and what he does and what he's doing. It's so easy. I mean, and not just for us today, mind you. 
It was so easy for Israel back then. I mean, the entire book of Judges is that story, right? Israel cries out for God's mercy and, and for him to rescue him. So God sends a judge to come and rescue his people. And the people say, yay, thanks, God. And then some time goes by, and, and what do they do? They walk away from God, right? Like, that's Israel's story. That's our story. It's so easy to forget who God is. And that's why time and time again, you hear this call in the scriptures to remember Remember God. Remember what he has done and what he will still do. And so the Sabbath is God's gift to us to help us remember, to, to remember his work in our lives, to, to remember that we're his children, right? You are not what you do. You are not your vocation. You are not necessarily what family you come from. You are a child of God. And to remember that and to cling to that is, is something that, that, is, that needs to be embedded in your soul through the practice of remembering week in and week out. And I think the Sabbath is a gift to us to do that, to remember. So church, we, we, need, we need the fourth commandment. We, we need to see it not just as, as, as God's list of 10 ethical laws that we need to obey, we need to see the fourth commandment as God's invitation into the deeper, richer life with God that it is. And we need the, the fourth commandment not because of what we're up against in this world. I mean, we could, I could go through all the stats on how people today, we, we're more tired in our soul than ever before. We, we, we could look at the increasing stats of, of depression and anxiety that are running rampant in our land. But I don't, I don't think I need to give you evidence of how tired we are. I, I don't think I need to give you evidence of how marginless we live our lives. I, I don't think I need to give you evidence of how overworked or burned out or, or exhausted we feel. See, when thinking about our need for the Sabbath, I, I'd rather we cling to this, this statement by Mark Buchanan. Mark is a, a pastor and author of the book, The Rest of God. And he writes this. He says, without rest... Without this idea of ceasing from our labors and resting in the Lord, without Sabbath, without rest, we miss the rest of God. The rest he invites us to enter more fully so that we might know him more deeply. Buchanan goes on to say that, that some knowing is never pursued. No matter how many classes we take, how many reading plans we're engaged in, no matter how many Bible studies or small groups we're, we're involved in, no matter how many teams we're serving on, no matter how many times we go to worship on Sunday morning, some knowledge of God is never, is never come to by being pursued, only received. And for that, we need to be still. So I think the danger of the religious life is that we can be so very busy for God and still not know him. And I think this is the reason behind God's invitation to us to practice Sabbath. It's the very same reason behind the prayer that we read in Psalm 4610 where, where God tells his church, church, be still and know that I am God. Think, think about this for a moment. There is a knowledge of God that you are missing out on because you're too busy or too preoccupied with other things that are not God. And in the, that knowledge of God that he wants to give to you, he communicates who he is, the God of peace, 
the God of stillness, the God of all creation. And so Sabbath, Sabbath is, is a sacred time. It, it, it's a foretaste of heaven. It's a foretaste of, of this deep and intimate knowledge of God that we can only know when we stop and rest. So if I may encourage you for a moment this morning, I would, I would encourage you to look beyond the surface of Sabbath keeping it as a commandment and understand it as an invitation from God to know him more deeply and personally. God, God doesn't give you the Ten Commandments to, to wrestle you into being an obedient people who do his will. God gives us his law that we might know him more fully, trust him more, more deeply and personally, and understand more fully the life that he invites us into. Sabbath is a sacred time where God undoes all the effects of the pressure exerted on you by this world and instead shapes you in his peaceful and patient love. So there's a, a tool that scientists use in studying the weather called a barometer. If we could put that up on the screen. A barometer is, is used specifically to measure atmospheric pressure. And, and in its earliest forms, it, it, it was a, a tall tube with a small pool of, of, of mercury at the bottom. Something that's a little bit of a heavier liquid metal at that point. And so when the atmospheric pressure increased, when it got weightier, it would press down on this, uh, on this barometer. And as it pushed down on that pool of mercury at the bottom, it forced the mercury to rise up the tube. And as that mercury rises up the tool, tube, that, that change in level in the tube told scientists of what the change in atmospheric pressure was. Church, our souls are like this mercury barometer. Six days a week, the world exerts pressure upon our lives. And in the process, we become filled with the things of this world. We become shaped and molded by the pressure exerted upon us six days a week. Six days a week, you feel the pressure of accomplishing and achieving and producing, pressing in on our souls. So much so that there are some of us who believe that what it means to be a Christian is seen in, in the, the religious life, how much we do for God, how much we show up for God, how much we look like God's people. See, our, our souls are like these mercury barometers. Six days a week, the spiritual atmospheric pressures of this world produce an effect on our soul that conforms us to the patterns of this world. That's what we're up against. Right? I mean, we're not just kind of letting ourselves be, be conformed to the patterns of this world six days a week. But six days a week, we're living in that world where that pressure is exerted on us. But not the seventh day. The seventh day is a gift God offers us. A gift when the pressure of the world diminishes and God's divine love presses on us and fills us with himself. That mercury level diminishes and the character of Christ fills that space. But this is only a gift we receive if we remove the seventh day from common use, if we keep it holy, wholly different. 
Only when we cease from our labors and, and cease from letting the, the, the spiritual atmosphere of this world exert pressure on our souls will we see that mercury level in our souls going down and, become, and we become more like God and less like this world. I'll say it again. We need to remember that the fourth commandment is not a prerequisite for entering the promised land. It's an instruction in how to live while we live in the land. You know, God knew what his people would face after he rescued them from, from slavery in Egypt. God knew what his people would face when they crossed the Jordan and entered into the promised land and were surrounded by many various nations that worshiped other gods, lived their lives differently, had no knowledge of the God of all creation. God knew what his people were up against. They would enter into that land and they would be surrounded with people who would say, come, come worship our gods. Come bow down to our idols. Come live like and look like us, right? There was a great pressure exerted on the people of God to be like the world around them. And so the Sabbath was meant to be a, a holy time where Israel remembered their God remembered the one who rescued them from slavery in Egypt, remembered not just God, but remembered whose they were and what that means that they were the people of God. And, and church, so it is for us. Paul teaches us that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Not that we've been predestined to become conformed to the, the values and the, the pressures of this world, to, to run the rat race and to, to prove ourselves to be stronger, better, faster than the people around us. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But we're not gonna realize that if we can't even separate out one day out of every seven to say no to the world and say yes to God. God made us to be spiritually formed by the, the pressure of his Holy Spirit at work in us and not by the atmospheric pressure of the world around us. So then what does it look like to live that seventh day? Maybe sitting on the couch, taking naps, watching sports, and eating fungins? I don't, I mean, that might be true some of the time for some of us, but it's not a general rule, right? It's, it's, it's gotta be more than that. I've learned through my process that I love to watch NASCAR, but I can't watch a race or watch a football game on, on the Sabbath because what does it do to my soul? Man, it, it makes me riled up. It gets me going. It makes me angry when my team's not winning or, or frustrated with, with the ref's calls. or what. I mean, it, it cultivates not the character of Christ, but a character of competition and, and frustration and, and whatnot. It's not good for me. So that's, that's me, right? I'm not saying that you can't watch sports or, or whatnot. But the, the Sabbath is a day to say yes to God. It's to say yes to all those things that invite us to, to, to grow in our knowledge of him and trust in him. And by that, I don't mean more study. Yes, there should be some worship, right? We, we see that, that the invitation to Sabbath is not just for the head of the household or, or, or one member of the household, but for everyone, sons, daughters, male servants, female servants, donkeys, animals. They've all been invited to, to celebrate this one day out of every seven. And so Sabbath is a day for us all to say yes to God. Maybe it is taking a nap. 
The, the way, the, way the, the Jewish people celebrate Sabbath, it begins on a Friday night after sundown. The very beginning of their Sabbath begins with sleep. I mean, that sounds like a wonder, wonderful invitation to me, right? I mean, how many times do you sit down and say, I wanna, God, I wanna, I wanna read this chapter, I wanna think on you, I wanna, I wanna contemplate, and then two seconds later, right? Maybe that's an invitation from God. Maybe God's saying, you need some physical sleep, Dan, before you can spiritually rest with me. Maybe it's going outside, going for a walk, planning to hike. This past Monday, um, well, that's a long, there's, a, there's a little bit of a longer, further story. But I went to the Audubon, and I got lost at the Audubon. But it was awesome. I mean, you're walking. I knew I was going to find my way out some way, whether it was someone's backyard or back at the, the entrance to the, the Audubon. But either way, it's, you're, you're walking in the wilderness. There's like no car noises. There's no, it's like such a unique experience. Maybe, maybe going for a hike is part of what your Sabbath needs to be. Maybe you... Maybe you're not usually a painter, but you want to paint. Maybe you want to explore the outdoors. You know, the Sabbath is even an invitation to play games with your family. Have fun. Rest does not mean sitting on the couch in silence and doing nothing. God rested from his work. But what else did God do when he finished his work? The work of creation. He looked on it and said, that is good. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed what he had created. So here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you how you are to celebrate Sabbath. I have, in my own journey, I thought, well, maybe the next book. I, got, I have like five books here that I started reading at various times because I'm thinking, well, maybe this next book will tell me how I'm supposed to celebrate Sabbath. There is a lot of different ideas out there on how you can celebrate Sabbath. I would say if you do want to start with one, I mentioned it, I quoted it in Mark Buchanan's book, The Rest of God, is a great place to begin. But there are, there are, there are a whole number of ways, I'll leave these here, you can look at them after the service if you want. Um, there are a whole number of ways that you, God is uniquely inviting you to cease from your labors and to rest with him. And, and guess what? God loves you so much that his invitation to rest is gonna align with the person he made you to be. Some people, they want to sit down with a good book and say, I never get to read. God gifted you three hours to sit and read a good book. And you can say, God, you really love me. You know me. Maybe for you, it's going for that walk outside. I know some people who it's just good to get out of their usual context and go walk with the Lord, to pray, to sing songs to the Lord. Do whatever. I'm not going to tell you how to practice Sabbath, but what I will challenge you to do in, is to discover that for yourself. Cease from your labors. Dedicate a day to the Lord. Cease from your work and see what he will do in that one day. Your Sabbath will be your own unique one day out of seven, every seven-day rhythm. And so here's, here's what I will say. Start slow and start small. Actually, that's Tara's suggestion. I'm like, go for it. Just you know, read five books and, and figure out what, to start slow and start small. I, a year and a half later, I still don't have it down. And I, I think if, if we think that we can wake up next week and have our plan in place and we're gonna obey it, I, I think it feels like we're just trying to obey a law on paper rather than see this as an invitation from God to cease, to slow down, and to be with him. So it all begins 
with a decision to start practicing the Sabbath. Will you or won't you remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? You have to decide. And when you do, start slow and start small. Church, remember these 10 commandments are are not a prerequisite for entrance into the promised land. They're a plan that God has to invite you into a deeper, more full life. And this is especially true of the fourth commandment. I, I, I genuinely believe that remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is, is, a, is a key, not the key, is a key to unlocking the deeper life in Christ. Because it's, it's a weekly rhythm of intentionally choosing to trust God in a pretty extreme way, especially in our day and age. So what, what will you choose this day? Will you choose to be a disciple of Jesus, being trained to hear his voice, peace, be still? Or will you go on obeying all the reasons you're telling yourself of why you can't give God one dedicated day in your week? Please, please take it from me. These reasons that you tell yourself, these excuses, they're not doing you any favors. They don't love you. They don't have your best interests in mind. They're actually keeping you from the deeper life of trusting God. And so today, determine today to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to to keep it, uh, to remove it from common use. Then listen for God's still small voice declaring peace, be still over your life. That, that, That day, that time, that sacred time is a treasure worth fighting for, church. Let's determine to do that. Let's be a people formed by the pressure of the Spirit in us rather than the pressure of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for for your, your law, Lord. And I, I, I say that genuinely knowing and trusting, Lord, that your law, which comes forth from you, is, is for the benefit of your people, that we might know how the, the, the fullness of life that you offer us when we learn to trust you more. Lord, we, are, we desire to be a people that trust in you. Forgive us for those times and those places in our lives where we are more dependent on our own ability to achieve and accomplish, where, where we are more obedient to the pressure to, to work harder, to, to accomplish more, to achieve more. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you for your, your graciousness, your steadfast love and faithfulness to, to never abandon us, to never leave us, to always put before us that invitation to be obedient to your law. Today, I pray that you would empower us to make hard decisions, to make decisions with teeth on them, to begin anew, afresh, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Lord, we realize we are, we are living in, in a foreign land, yet we're living as citizens of your kingdom. Teach us to live, not just as children of God, but as citizens of the kingdom of God citizens of heaven. Use the Sabbath day in our lives. 
to reveal to us your heart, your plan, your life, that we might be shaped more by you and, and be able to be empowered to say no to the pressures of this world that are being exerted upon us. May that be the gift we receive in the Sabbath, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.